We're just going to read a few verses from 37. Uh, Jesus is there in Jerusalem on the uh, Feast of the Tabernacle or the Festival of Booths, which would have been in the autumn, by the way. It's a harvest festival. Uh, but uh, he's there, and it's a seven-day feast. And we pick up the action there on the last day, uh, which would actually have been day eight, which was uh, another solemn assembly. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then to Galatians, the third chapter. Paul here is uh, talking with the Galatians, many of whom, after becoming Christians, uh, decided to try to be Jewish. And he says, hey, guys, don't, don't turn back to Judaism. And if you're a Gentile, don't even try to be Jewish. Uh, it's not about Judaism. It's about Jesus. Um, uh, that's not our focus today, but that's the context. And we pick up with, with chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if it indeed was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. One of the biggest struggles, I think, for many Christians is the struggle to understand who is the Holy Spirit. I mean, over the years uh, that I've been in ministry, I've heard so many different kinds of uh, teachings about the Holy Spirit, uh, so many kinds of representations about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, probably the most erroneous ones that I ever heard are, are ones where they portray the Holy Spirit simply as the power of God. Uh, so like the Spirit in some sense is God uh, disembodied flowing through us, and all you have to do is turn on the Holy Spirit or tap into the Holy Spirit, and somehow you will get the power of God flowing in you or flowing through you. And that impersonal view of the Holy Spirit is not only unbiblical, it's actually probably slightly heretical. Because the Holy Spirit is not some disembodied power. The Holy Spirit is not like electricity or like natural gas. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person who has a personality, who is also God. And of course, we struggle because we also struggle with the idea of God being one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But when we say that, we say that there's only one God, there's only one divine being, but we experience him, we see him, he exists in three persons, and the third person is the Holy Spirit. Now the challenge we have is unlike 
the concept of God the Father. We can all envision Father a bit uh, because we've all had fathers. Even though God doesn't exist in a body uh, and doesn't have a human representation uh, in, as, as Father. We can also easily uh, picture in our minds Jesus, uh, although we all tend to picture Jesus from our own backgrounds and perspectives, uh, and uh, we get all kinds of representations of Jesus, but we know that Jesus was God incarnate. He was fully God and fully human, and because he was fully human, he had a human face. In fact, one of the reasons why God sent his son Jesus was so that we could interact with him and learn him and understand who God is by understanding Jesus, who's fully God, but also one of us, fully human, yet without sin. But the Holy Spirit is a bit of a challenge because even the idea of spirit, uh, it kind of... Uh, conjures up in our minds maybe some ghost story or some science fiction film and perhaps you know some of the ideas that sometimes come through science fiction might get a little close but it's very difficult for us to conceive very difficult for us to understand very difficult for us to picture God as a person as the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit is a person nonetheless He is God nonetheless. We never control the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Lord of us. We are not Lord of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit speaks into our hearts God's word. The Holy Spirit conforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is God, not some disembodied thing, not some power that we tap into, but God himself who comes alongside of us so that we might live. And so there are a lot of misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. But what we see in this text, we first see with Jesus this understanding that the Holy Spirit comes from the Father through the Son to all who believe in Jesus. The way to the Holy Spirit, the way to experience the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is through belief in Jesus Christ. Those who do not believe in Jesus, those who refuse to accept Jesus, do not have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, comes from Him for all who believe in Him and who come to Him. He says, out of their heart, out of their inner being, will flow rivers of living water. And this is where we get the idea that the Holy Spirit himself, in a sense, lives inside of us. He's not confined to our bodies, but certainly he lives within us, and he lives within us all. And not only does he live within us all, he unites us all together. We are all one people because of who the Holy Spirit is in us. And by that same fact we are all united across the globe with all the other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ because it's the same spirit who lives within us as Christians all across the globe doesn't matter what language you speak doesn't matter your style of worship as long as you believe in Christ his death and his resurrection the Holy Spirit lives inside of you Now, many times when people talk about the Holy Spirit, 
and receiving the Holy Spirit, sometimes people think that the way that we have to receive the Holy Spirit is just through the laying on of hands. Now the laying on of hands is a valid way to pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. We see this in the book of Acts. But that's not the primary thing, or the laying on of hands itself is not how people receive the Holy Spirit. According to Paul, and we'll come back to this, he says you receive the Holy Spirit by hearing with faith. So we ask ourselves, you know, why is it through the laying on of hands? Uh, this is a challenge for us because many times we see distortions of this in TV and, and things like that where, where people make a big show of this. You know, it's got to be somebody who's wearing a white suit, who looks better than I look, you know, who maybe has shoes that are golden and they glisten a little bit and, and you know, and they can uh, lay hands on you and whop you upside the head or something like that. And then suddenly, you know, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you fall down or something dramatic happens. Uh, now, we, bought it, we have to be careful not to dismiss these kinds of manifestations. They do happen, by the way, in a legitimate experience with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can knock us down. He can cause us to shake. He can cause us to laugh. And by the way, this has happened throughout history. This is not something new. It's not a newfangled kind of thing. Uh, but also, it's not something to manufacture. If the Holy Spirit does it, the Holy Spirit can do it. I've said many times to the Holy Spirit, Lord, if you want to knock me down, knock me down. And there's actually been a couple of occasions that I've shared with you where I do feel like God knocked me down in the Holy Spirit. Because I was a bit proud. I needed, God needed to deal with me in some way. So I'm not afraid of the manifestations. I don't run away from the manifestations. I've actually seen the manifestations, sometimes in people who were being prayed for and sometimes in people I was praying for. Uh, I've seen these kinds of things happen. You say, well, why don't we read more about it in history? And the reason we don't read more about it in history is because people didn't want to talk about it. Most people in the past, you look at, say, the Hebridean revival uh, in 1949 to 53, up uh, on the uh, Isle of Lewis <clears throat> in Scotland, uh, there were many people who were what, what some people would call today slain in the spirit. What they called it in that day was swooning. And people who were swooning would literally end up on the floor, and some of them were on the floor for hours. And you think, okay, why don't we read much about that? Because people didn't want to talk about it because they didn't want to take away glory from Jesus. They wanted the focus to be on Jesus they wanted to focus to be on what God is doing, not on the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But they were happening. They were happening all the time. The problem so often today, especially when everybody has a, a camera on their phones and, and can be a, their own video editor and everything, is that people love to focus on the things that are crazy, they're outrageous, they seem unusual, uh, and so they focus on that and they miss Jesus. And you might say, well, you know, why does this happen at all then if it can be distorted? A lot of things can be distorted. But uh, it happens sometimes so that we can have the assurance that something really, really has happened to us. Sometimes it happens so that we can be humbled because we are walking around in pride. Uh, sometimes it happens because 
it's the natural outgrowth of an encounter with somebody greater than you. Uh, for example, if Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty, walked through this door right now, I really honor the Queen. So if she walked through the door, I guarantee you that I would react to that. I would respond to her, I would be quiet, I would direct everybody's attention to her, and, and my instinct would probably be to kneel. Maybe hoping that she would knight me or something like that, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but it would have a response when I encounter uh, the queen. And if I, I have a response when I encounter the queen, let me tell you, I'll have a response when I encounter the living God in a manifestation of his power. That's a normal thing. And we all respond differently. Over the years, I've seen children, and, uh, and I love kids, as you know. Uh, we love to have them here in the service at City Temple. We love children. But what I've learned is that all children respond differently. I mean, some children are really shy. Uh, some will laugh. Uh, some, if you're joking around, they'll get quiet. Some will get louder. They're all different. And I've seen even fathers who have three or four kids, uh, like Richard there, uh, all of his children react differently to him. And that's okay, because they're all different people. And so sometimes these things happen uh, simply because we're different people. When we encounter God, we respond in different ways. What you might ask is, well, if there's so much confusion sometimes around the laying on of hands, why does God still fill people with the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands? And it's because with the laying on of hands, there should always be a proclamation of Jesus. Jesus should always be exalted if there are laying on of hands. You know, today in our world, there are a lot of strange spirits around, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, and I'm not talking about just weird people. I'm talking about spiritual forces of evil, as Paul calls them in, in Ephesians 6, in the heavenly places. And they're around us. So how do you know if that encounter you've just had is with the Holy Spirit or with the demonic spirit? How do you know? You can know through the authentic proclamation of Jesus Christ. Because where the Holy Spirit is, he always exalts Jesus Christ, just as he did on the day of Pentecost. And so it's the real proclamation, the true proclamation of Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected from the dead, ascended on high, sending the Holy Spirit that helps us to know that this encounter really is from God. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Paul's talking about this. It's not his primary point here, by the way. He's talking to the Galatians, and the Galatians were kind of a messed up group of people at the time. Uh, they were messed up because they were all excited. There were some Jews and there's some Gentiles there. They got all excited. Uh, they came to faith in Christ. Uh, the church grew, many things were happening, and then they had some Jewish people come in and say, oh, well, you know, if you really want to be true Christians, and they were Jewish believers, uh, they came in and said, if you really want to be true Christians, then you have to do the Jewish stuff too. 
Uh, because those two things go together. You, know, you, you need to have your prayer shawl, uh, you need to observe your feast, you need to watch out for the Sabbath day, you can't eat pork or, or uh, anything that really tastes great. Uh, you, you can, uh, sorry, I apologize to any Jewish people. Uh, you, 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 you can't do this kind of stuff. And so many of the Galatians were saying, oh yeah, okay, we got to get circumcised. I mean, what crazy guys were that, you know? Uh, I, that I can't understand. And they were saying these kinds of things. So Paul's writing them and saying, guys, come on. You know, where did you get all of this stuff? Think back about when you became a Christian. Think back about what happened to you when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit, and he uses the Holy Spirit as an example. And in his example, he shows to us the two ways that the Holy Spirit interacts with us, fills us, transforms us, and empowers us. Notice what he says in the text, and, uh, and we'll, we'll go directly there into the text and jump in uh, to chapter 3. Okay, so it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Okay, understand here, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their lives accompanied the proclamation of Jesus, just as I said. Here we see this directly in the text. Then verse 2. Let me ask you, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The first idea, he said, did you receive the Spirit? Another way to say that, were you filled with the Spirit? Did you encounter the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Obviously, the answer is by hearing with faith, and we'll come back to that. And notice, how is the Holy Spirit working in people in this text? He says, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So the first role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it was true in the Galatians, it's true for us today, is that the Holy Spirit works inside of us to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ, to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul means when he says, are you being perfected by the works of the law? There is nothing we can do in and of themselves, that will help us to become more like Jesus. There's no law that we can fulfill. Uh, there's no rules or regulations that we can follow. If we want to become more like Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And as the Holy Spirit works inside of us, He will perfect us, He will complete us, He will bring us into alignment with the character of Jesus he will enable us to grow, as Paul says in Ephesians, into the measure of the full manhood of Jesus Christ. That's the first role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He works inside of us to transform us to become more like Jesus. But that's not it. That's not, that, it's not just that alone. Uh, verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now notice the word is different. The first word is receive. The idea is you receive the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
The next word he uses is the word supply, as in I, I give you something. I pour out something upon you. I, I hand you something uh, to enable you to do something else. And in this case, the Holy Spirit was supplied to them so that God could work miracles among them. So by the Holy Spirit on the Galatians, it wasn't just the apostles that were doing this. The people of God were receiving the Holy Spirit, being supplied with the Holy Spirit, the person of God, to enable them, empower them to work miracles. So God was, they were receiving the Holy Spirit, they were being supplied the Holy Spirit, receiving the Spirit to work inside of them, to transform them into the image of Christ, being supplied with the Holy Spirit to empower them to live and witness to Jesus, to live for and witness to Jesus. And these two operations of the Holy Spirit continue in our lives today. The Holy Spirit continues to work in this way. God continues to supply His Holy Spirit, His person. God continues to give His Holy Spirit to us today to work within us to make us more like Jesus and to come upon us, to empower us to continue the ministry of Jesus in our world today. So the question comes then, how? How does this happen? Well, I've already, already mentioned this whole idea of laying on of hands. And there's a real challenge here because there are a lot of people who think that in order to receive the Holy Spirit, in order to have the Holy Spirit supplied to you, that you have to get with somebody and get somebody who you think has the Holy Spirit and that somehow they lay hands on you and then you get the Holy Spirit. And laying hands is biblical, but that's not it. Some people have thought, oh, well, I need to go to the right conference or get into the right attitude of worship and then somehow I'll receive the Holy Spirit. Somehow God will work in me. God will increase his work in me by his Holy Spirit if I have the right attitude in worship. Other people think, well, if I read the Bible enough, if I read the Bible, then God will supply the Holy Spirit. Uh, other people might think that, well, if I pray enough, if I could only spend three, four, five, six hours in prayer and really focus in, and then somehow I would receive the Holy Spirit. And some of these things are not bad. I mean, it's not bad, obviously, to worship the Lord. It's certainly not bad to read and study the Scriptures or to pray or to gather with other believers. It's not bad to have somebody lay hands on you and pray for you. None of these things are wrong, but none of these things will lead in themselves to receiving the Holy Spirit. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? According to Paul, it's by hearing with faith. By hearing with faith. You don't need someone to lay hands on you. And in fact, if somebody lays hands on you, but you're not hearing with faith, it doesn't make any difference. You can read the Bible to, out loud to your blue in the face. 
But if you're not reading it and hearing it with faith, it doesn't make any difference. If you're not praying with faith, it doesn't make any difference. We all receive the Holy Spirit. And by the way, we receive the Holy Spirit, we encounter the Holy Spirit time and time again. It's not something that, that happens just like a one-off. It's a bit like I'm married to my wife. I mean, we understand that. I'm married to my wife. I love my wife. Uh, but yesterday, I had two encounters with my wife. One was in the morning, and one was about 10 o'clock at night when I got home. Those were my two primary encounters with my wife. I was married the whole time, but I encountered her on two specific occasions. This is the same is true with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. We want that, but we also want to encounter the person of the Holy Spirit as many times as possible so that we can experience all the benefits of that encounter with the Holy Spirit. I mean, last night when I encountered my wife, she fixed me something to eat. I mean, that was a great benefit of the encounter that I had with my wife. And when we encounter the Holy Spirit on a day-by-day -day basis, on a week-by-week -week basis, when we have that encounter, that encounter stirs up the reality of the Holy Spirit inside of us to conform us with Jesus, and that encounter empowers us to live that day for Jesus, and sometimes even to do miracles. So we need to hear with faith. We need to hear the stories about what God has done throughout the years. And we need to hear them with faith and believe that God can do them again. Because the challenge is as well for us, if we don't apply faith to our hearing, it's meaningless. If you don't apply faith to what you hear in the Bible, who cares? If you don't apply faith to your encounter with God, it doesn't make any difference. If you don't apply faith to coming and hearing the word of God proclaimed, it amounts to nothing. We must hear by faith. And most importantly, we must hear what God says in his word. We must hear the stories of how God has poured out his spirit as on the day of Pentecost. And we must hear with faith. And as we hear with faith, we know we can be confident that God is acting whether or not we feel anything. Never depend on your feelings. Never depend on your human perceptions. God has promised his Holy Spirit to us and we will receive the Holy Spirit again and again and again as we hear with faith, as we believe. And I believe today, as we go back into a time of worship, for anyone here who wants to say, Lord, Father, I've heard the word. I believe that you want to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit, conform me into the image of Jesus, empower me to live for Jesus. Well then, as you pray, just lift that prayer to the Lord and believe and know that you will receive.
One of my favorite stories it was uh, a number of years ago. That's over 20 years now, about 20, ah, 24 years ago. That's way too long. Uh, but about 24 years ago, we were having a, a time of worship in our church, and it was a special worship service, and we had people from other churches come. And I, I told people, I said, I'm going to pray uh, for anybody who would like to receive the Holy Spirit. I'll pray. I'll lay hands on you. Uh, by the way, you know, you might not feel anything, but that doesn't mean that nothing happened. And so I went around, and, and there weren't any, I don't think there were any people that were falling in the Spirit or anything like that. There weren't any out, overt manifestations. And I was praying especially that people would be empowered by the Holy Spirit for evangelism. And so I remember one woman, uh, she was from Central America originally. Uh, I came and I prayed for her. Uh, she almost looked a little disappointed, you know, because nothing really happened or anything. She didn't have any encounter or any feelings. Uh, and then uh, the, next, the next week, when we all came back together, I asked for testimonies from people. And she was one of the ones to share her testimony. She said this, she said, you know, when you prayed for me, I was so disappointed. Nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. You know, I really wanted, I really wanted to experience something, you know, because so many of her friends had, had experienced some kind of manifestation or encounter with God. She said, oh, man, I just really wanted to feel something. Nothing happened. Or at least that's what I thought. Last Wednesday, she says, I was sitting in the park. And as I was sitting there, a Muslim man came and sat next to me and said, are you a Christian? He said, yes. He says, I've always wanted to hear from a Christian how you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so she sat and she shared with him. I don't know exactly what happened with the guy. Uh, and after a, a little while longer, a, a, a young woman came and sat next to her and started sharing about her life. And this, this woman shared boldly about how she needed to surrender her life to Jesus Christ. And I think she probably did that day. I'm not totally sure. But this woman recounted uh, at least three different encounters that she'd had there on the park bench watching her kids play. She was a shy woman. She'd never been bold to share her faith before. So she said, you know, I thought nothing happened, but now I know it did. And the same is true for us. You don't need somebody on the TV. You don't even need me to lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit. Didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. They were just in the upper room, waiting, expecting and receiving. And here, we're waiting, expecting, and receiving. Father God, we love you. We thank you for giving your Holy Spirit to us. We don't totally understand uh, how to relate to him sometimes, but we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you were glorified and then just as you promised, you poured out your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We welcome you. And I ask, Lord God, that all who hear with faith might receive the Holy Spirit afresh and anew. Holy Spirit, pour yourself out into our midst. Stir us up inside to become more like Jesus 
Empower us to live for Jesus, doing the works of Jesus all around us this week. Fill us and refresh us. For we come to you in faith. Not with show, not with rituals, but simply come believing and receiving. We love you and we praise you. We honor you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.